my most favorite song of all time is Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, I will perform this song at any karaoke bar that will have me, honestly. I remember the first time I performed it at karaoke, there was a video playing with the words on the screen. And the video showed, and I don't know where this video came from, but the video showed a young man going off to war, having to make the tough decision to fire a weapon. And I thought, wow, that's what that song is about. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. And so I thought that's what it was about. But it it turns out that it's not about that. It's not about gun violence or war at all. It's Freddie Mercury's coming out song. He's telling the world, you know, I just killed a man. Yeah, I just killed the hetero that you thought I was. I'm actually gay. Surprise. (laughs) But this isn't about sexuality or gender. This is about America's gun problem. I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. So this morning I woke up and I, you know, cleared the crust out of my eyes. And I said, let me see what's going on in the news. That's what I do every morning. I look at the news and I'm reading the news on Twitter. The first story that comes across my feed is that 14 people were shot in the city of Philadelphia last night, overnight rather, and that three are dead from that shooting. And I said, fuck, can we go one day, this godforsaken country, without a mass shooting? Without any shooting? No, we can't. There was a mass shooting in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, but then there was also a shooting in Atlanta. One man was shot and killed. His name, his rap name is Trouble. He was murdered, sitting in his car, murdered by someone using a gun. And again, I just said, fuck, this, this, this is, this is America. Whoop, that song, this is America, whoop, don't catch you slipping now, right? That video, um, somebody comes in with a machine gun and they just mow down an entire choir of people singing. And it's jarring, but that's exactly how it happens. And the Childish Gambino also uses a gun to shoot someone in the head. And again, jarring to see that, but that is exactly what happens in the United States every day about 124 people die from a firearm related 
injury. And most of the firearm-related deaths in the United States are not homicides. In fact, they are suicides. They are people choosing to end their lives using a firearm. And we had a, a very famous story that came out this year, a couple weeks ago. Naomi Judd ended her life using a firearm. She was set to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. And her daughter, Ashley Judd, was there visiting her. She said she checked on her mom every day. And she left the house for a bit to go and greet some people who had come to visit her mom. And when she got back, she found her mother deceased in her bedroom from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And, you know, some of my favorite entertainers have committed suicide using a firearm. And one of the biggest stories when I, when I was in um, junior high and high school, one of the biggest stories was the suicide of Kurt Cobain. He killed himself. He was one of the biggest grunge rock artists from the group Nirvana. He was one of the biggest artists out of the Seattle grunge rock movement. And for me and my friends, it was just like, wow, you know, we ate up everything Nirvana made. We ate it all up. We were very much into the grunge scene and we were just kids. But in, in the music, you know, the music of Pearl Jam had that song, Jeremy, where Jeremy spoke in class today. Jeremy um, committed suicide in front of his classroom in that song. And when kids were showing a fascination with firearms around that time, people would blame music or drugs, but mostly violent music lyrics were leading kids, apparently, to use firearms to kill other people, which is bullshit. Because, I mean, music and video games don't predate gun violence. Gun violence was here long before these things were present in our society. And children of the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s were encouraged, were encouraged by society, by their parents to own guns and know how to use guns. You know, BB guns, little, little hunting guns, and it's still the same today in, in certain sectors of American society. Owning your first gun, shooting your first weapon, getting your first gun for, you know, the holidays, your birthday or Christmas. It's like a rite of passage for some families. And it has nothing to do with music or video games that are not what spur the fascination with weapons. No, it's the culture that children grow up in, they see their family members using them. They see their parents using them. Now, having a gun is fine. Owning a gun, fine. It's guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Great, wonderful. But it is the irresponsible gun ownership and gun usage 
that is the problem here in the United States. Guns are being misused every day. Choosing suicide by gun is a misuse of a gun. Murdering someone is a misuse of a gun. There are people who injure themselves with their own weapons. There are people who leave their firearms accessible to children, and children will either use the gun on themselves or another, or another child or an adult. It is the irresponsible gun ownership, gun use, that is the problem. I mean, and there are over 400 million guns in this country. There are more guns in this country than there are people. So I'm not coming to you as one of those, you know, liberal think uh, mouthpieces who wants to, oh, they're going to take away your guns. They're going to, oh. They're going to obliterate the Second Amendment. They're going to whittle it down. They're going to water it down. And nobody's going to be able to own a gun. No. No one wants to take your guns from you. Please, please, for the love of God, get it through your head. Nobody wants your stupid gun, okay? What we want, people who are for gun control and, and reform, people who are for responsible ownership, we want you all to also be for responsible ownership. We want you all to also be for gun control laws. We want you all to see that guns are in the hands of people who should not have them. People who are mentally ill should not have guns, period. The fact that more than half of the gun-involved deaths in the United States are suicides is, is shocking. It's shocking. But what is also shocking is that we are not doing anything to prevent it. There's no list of, of crazy people who shouldn't own guns. Some communities are exploring it for whatever it's worth. This, per, uh, you know, exploring, keeping track of people who have a mental disorder or defect or, or whatever the case may be, keeping a list of them so that when they interact with them, they'll know that this person is uh, mentally unwell and that they may be combative and perhaps they should use, use a different approach to them versus the approach they now use that if this person is combative waving a gun or whatever we're just going to shoot them and kill them and this has has been an issue recently in the past couple of years family members call the police on someone who is mentally unwell and the police show up and instead of trying to pacify the situation trying to cool down the situation because people who are mentally ill who are in uh, an episode of decompensation, who are experiencing an episode of paranoia or delusions or what have you, they're going to be combative. They're going to be difficult to handle. That's why the family member called the police in the first place, because this person is having a rough time. And they're probably being violent. 
And they so they call the police because the police are the only ones who can handle them. And this is the same for someone who was high off drugs. The police show up. The police are not interested in getting this person the help they need. The police, they want to resolve this. They're either going to take the person to jail, you know, if there was violence committed against somebody in the home, they're either going to take the person to jail or that person is going to end up dead. And a lot of times the, the police will end up, you know, using lethal force against someone who was just having a, an, a crisis, who was having an episode of decompensation, who was not in their right mind. You should not die by lethal force because you are not in your right mind. But you should also, in my opinion, not own or possess a firearm if you are not in your right mind. Even if you have a history of mental illness, it takes very little stress to send you into an episode of decompensation. Sometimes it takes low stress. Sometimes it takes high stress. It's usually high stress that if your mental illness is under control, will send you into an episode of decompensation where you're likely to spiral into wanting to commit suicide. Now, you don't need a gun to commit suicide, obviously. People who want to die will find a way. People who are in mental stress, emotional stress, will find a way. But using a firearm is easy. It's right, it's right there. It's quick. I won't say it's painless. I wouldn't know, but it doesn't look like it's painless. So I believe very strongly that people who have a history of mental illness, who have current mental illness, who are not well, should not own or possess a firearm. Me, myself, I have never owned a firearm. I've never possessed a firearm. Am I against gun ownership? No, I am not. I am for responsible gun ownership. And what we've seen in the United States in the past few weeks, the shooting in Buffalo that people say was racially motivated. Yes, it looks like it was racially motivated. He posted his manifesto, which was just, you know, some shit he copied from somebody else who had done a manifesto. But he wanted to kill black people because he believed strongly that blacks were replacing, and in record, in record numbers, white people. He's scared, so he thought that if he killed, you know, some black people, that that would make life better. That he would feel better. That the world would, the, the United States would be uh, a better place if there were less black people and more white people. The shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 children were murdered and two educators were murdered, was committed by an 18-year-old. Now, in the state of Texas, you only have to be 18 to legally purchase a weapon. As soon as this young man turned 18, 
he bought an assault rifle, an AR-15, rounds of ammunition, and he used them. He went, he was at his grandmother's house. He had all his shit with him. He shot her, got in her car, took off, went to the elementary school where she worked, began shooting outside of the school, made his way into the school, shooting inside of the school. Now, all of this was going down while uh, police and border control officers were at the school. They were outside. Some witnesses say they didn't see anyone inside the school. But the point is, the police were not doing anything. Now, these are the same police who have no trouble on site shooting and killing someone who's holding a knife or holding a gun or who's being, uh, you know, who's resisting arrest. When there's an active shooter, at least after Columbine, after the shootings in Columbine, the rules changed and police were instructed in their training to immediately, immediately engage and get rid of the threat. That didn't happen in Uvalde for some reason. And even though police have over a $4 million budget in that city alone, they did not engage with the shooter. And children were being murdered inside of the school building while police were outside. And some argue inside, uh, not inside. While police were waiting to assess the situation, children were being murdered. There were people who said they could hear the gunshots from blocks away. They could hear the young man's gunshots from blocks away. And they knew it was bad. They knew something bad was happening because of the rapid fire. Police did nothing. That is the reality we are faced with. We already know that police are not good with uh, crime prevention. So even preventing gun crimes is not something they do. Get the guns off the streets? Really? When are you going to do that? They're not getting the guns off the streets. Remember the gun uh, buyback programs? (laughs) Remember that? Police would have people come and trade their guns for, you know, gift cards and shit. Yeah, trade your guns. Here, bring your guns here. No questions asked. Gun buyback programs. Yeah, that was... I don't know how well that worked either. But we don't do those things anymore. Because we want people to have guns now. In fact... It's, it's okay to use a gun to defend yourself in most states. In the state of Ohio, where I live, stand your ground is now the law. There's no duty to retreat when you're in a conflict. When someone has breached your home, there's no duty to retreat. Stand your ground, shoot them, kill them. 
You can't chase them down the street. You still can't do that. But wherever you are, stand your ground, shoot them and kill them. Now, what's what's interesting about America's gun control laws, even the stand your ground laws, these laws are not meant to benefit anyone but white people. White people are the ones who benefited from the ratification of the Second Amendment. Black people weren't even citizens. Black people were slaves when the Second Amendment was ratified. And even after slavery, there were those codes that states had that prevented freed men from owning guns. After the Civil War, racists used gun control laws as a tool of white supremacy. The Black Codes adopted by the Southern states made it illegal for Black people to possess firearms. And to enforce these laws, there were posses of white men who would go into Black communities to intimidate Black people to ensure that there were no firearms present in the communities. The most egregious posse that was assembled was the Ku Klux Klan. Posses of white men riding around in in cars and on horses, going into black communities, intimidating black people, pulling black people from their homes who they had assumed committed crimes. They were formulated to keep black people under their thumb. If black people didn't have weapons, then they didn't have anything to use to defend their homes and their businesses. So any of it could be destroyed. Any of it could be taken away from them because they had no way of defending themselves. And so during the Black nationalist movement of the Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam, and during the civil rights movement of the 1960s and 1950s, when Blacks insisted on having weapons, what do you think happened? State governments, the federal government, passed laws or initiated investigations that made it difficult for Blacks to possess and own firearms. Martin Luther King Jr. was denied a gun permit. Remember the Mulford Act of 1967 out of California that was signed into law by then-Governor Ronald Reagan. It was crafted with the goal of disarming members of the Black Panther Party who were conducting armed patrols of Oakland neighborhoods. It garnered national attention after the Black Panther members, bearing arms now, marched to the California state capitol to protest the bill. Now, when it's convenient for lawmakers, to have gun control laws, such as trying to stop Black people from possessing weapons, they're all for it. The NRA was for gun control laws 
when it was to stop the Black Panthers and other Black groups from amassing weapons. Because if Black people have weapons, what are Black people going to do? We're going to defend ourselves. We're going to protect our neighborhoods. We're going to protect our businesses, our homes, our children. Oh, we might even use one of those guns against a white. But why would we do that? Unless someone was trying to cause harm to one of us. Oh, but no, we're violent people, right? Blacks are violent. You see it on the news. All of the crimes committed in racial minority areas. Black people committing gun crimes. This is why black people shouldn't have guns. This is why stand your ground is a law in any state is to protect white people from black gun violence or from black people, period. Oh, yeah. Stand your ground isn't for, <laughs> isn't for people like me. It isn't so I can protect myself in my home. No, it's for white people to feel better about killing racial minorities and say they feared for their lives. I was scared. Like, uh, what's his name? What's his nuts? Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I feared for my life. I was there helping the police. Oh, and so I feared for my life. And so I had to use my gun that I brought all the way to a protest from another state. I had to use my gun to kill the man because they were killing me. <laughs> They're so afraid. They're so afraid they're going to be replaced, so afraid they're going to be killed. So they, they, they have these laws that they've passed where they get to shoot first. They don't have to retreat. But what if someone had seen Kyle Rittenhouse using a gun and decided to use a gun against him for using a gun against someone else? Do you see how this works? Is it stand your ground? So I stand my ground. So he stands his ground against someone who's standing there. It, it, it doesn't end the violence. It doesn't make anything better. It just makes it easier for people to kill each other. And again, homicides using guns are not as prevalent as suicides using guns, but it's still prevalent enough in the United States where the issue of gun control comes up again and again and again and again. Every election cycle, every mass shooting, every, uh, you know, someone kills their family using a gun. Every time there's violence in the streets of any major city, gun control, gun control, gun control, gun control. Law enforcement is not against gun control laws. In fact, Law enforcement has been very vocal about all of the measures that are being passed that make it easier for people to possess and carry weapons. Now, where I live at in Ohio, as of June, the right to carry a gun has expanded. The right to carry a gun has expanded. Why? 
because Mike DeWine and the GOP in Ohio are obsessed with gun ownership, obsessed with weapons. So many uh, freedom to do whatever the hell you want to do with the gun laws here. It's incredible. And why? Because white people are in control of the government and white people love guns. Black people love guns, too. Hispanic people probably love guns, too. But white people have been in control of the government of the state of Ohio since its inception, and it's only gotten easier to own and possess a weapon. It has only got easier. And as I said before, there are more guns in this country than there are people in this country. And there's a reason why, because it's so fucking easy to get a gun, possess a gun, carry a gun. Ohio is open carry. Ohio is concealed carry. Ohio is permitless carry. And now, Governor DeWine is licking his chops, waiting for the latest bill to pass the Ohio House that allows what? More access to firearms for people who want to carry them. And where does he want those firearms? In Ohio schools. Yes, he wants teachers, if they want to, if their school system will allow them to, carry a firearm on campus in their classroom. And he wants the state of Ohio to pay for their training. Right now, if you want to be a peace officer, if you want to be a peace officer at a school in the state of Ohio, you have to have over 700 hours of training. And when this new law passes, because it's going to, you will only need 24 hours of training. So you could spend three days, roughly, three working days learning how to use a weapon, learning all of the security measures for having a weapon in school, and bing, bang, boom, there you go, free to go, free to go, carry a gun in a classroom. But again, it's up to your school system. If your school system says you can't do that, then you can't do it. I don't know what school systems are going to okay this because, frankly, it's scary, the thought of your kindergartner learning from a teacher who has a firearm on their hip. And we know how curious children are because children do it in their own homes. They find their parents' guns and they use them. There are so many stories about children finding guns left in their car, in their parents' car, in their mom's purse, on a a coffee table, and using it to kill themselves accidentally, probably, or kill someone else. So what's going to stop a child from finding their teacher's firearm and using it? What's going to stop? What's what's stopping except, you know, common sense and decency, a teacher from using a gun against a a student during a fight? Are these guns going to be just for active shooter situations? 
Which, I mean, I know we see them on the news all the time, but they're not happening all the time. And one of the worst mass shootings in this country wasn't at a school. It was during a concert in Las Vegas, Nevada. For reasons unknown to law enforcement, a man decides to check into a hotel and shoot up a crowd of people at a, at a music festival, a country music festival. He shot over 500 people, I believe it was. Over 60 people were murdered. They still don't know his motive. But he was allowed to amass, and that's the other problem. And it goes, it varies from state to state, to state how much ammunition you can have, what kind of gun you can own, if there's a background check. Not every state requires a background check. And only recently has the federal government required that ghost guns, which are guns that, you know, come in pieces and you have to assemble them, or a gun that's 3D, 3D printed, only recently has the federal government said that these guns require serial numbers. But not every ghost gun requires a serial number. If it's sold in a kit, it requires a serial number. But if 80% of it is a kit and then 20% of it is something else, it doesn't need a serial number. But people were, you know, 3D printing guns. And here are these guns out on the streets, unregulated. No serial number, no way to trace them. So the government had to step in and say, at least make these traceable. I mean, ghost guns are being used in record numbers in, in cities such as Baltimore, where they have at least one gun-related death a day. In cities like Baltimore, where they have at least one gun-related death every week. But, you know, some, 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 some gun crime is seen as acceptable. People, especially black people, killing themselves on the streets of the big city. Oh, well, that makes sense. You know, they're poor, they're dumb, they don't want to work, they're on public assistance, they don't go to school, they didn't graduate from high school, whatever the prejudicial, bigoted, bigoted opinion people will have to justify them saying, oh, well, that's fine, you know, that, that makes sense. But being shot at a grocery store, a Walmart, at school, now that is unacceptable, especially if it's where rich people live, like Parkland, Florida. No, you can't. Uh, what? There has to be a national uh, referendum on this. There has to be. But even, even like in Sandy Hook, even the presence of murdered children even wealthy people's murdered children still has not been enough for a grassroots movement to take hold and usher in responsible gun ownership 
gun control laws that are used, number one, and that are effective. There are gun control laws already on the books. Background checks. The FBI has a, a system where a person's name is, is, is entered if they have a felony, if they have a, a, an order of protection against them. They're not allowed to possess or own a weapon. If you have an order of protection against you, you're not allowed to own or possess a firearm. You're also not allowed to drink alcohol or do drugs. People do it. People somehow get a gun, even when they have an order of protection against them. And so when these people get, you know, pulled over by police or they get stopped by police, if police aren't looking for this, they're not going to find it. There's no way to keep track of people who have, well, there's a way to keep track of them, but there's no way to track if they have a weapon or not. You can't, law enforcement can't go into every home of every person who is a convicted felon or who has an order of protection against them, who's operating under a disability and say, hey, you got a gun? Let me see. They can't just go into their homes. They need probable cause. They need a search warrant or permission. I don't know why you would give permission to law enforcement to search your home, but they can't just go into somebody's house. They can't just search someone's car. They rely on people to do the right thing, which <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> you're relying on a, on a criminal to do the right thing. That's hilarious. But yeah, we, we do. We rely on people to do the right thing when it comes to guns and gun ownership. And we want them to be responsible. We, we want parents to lock up their guns, keep the key with them. Have a gun key, a gun safe key in a place where the child doesn't know where it's at. The kid in Sandy Hook, he had access to the gun safe in his home. We want parents to be able to own weapons to defend themselves in their homes and their children, but we also want parents to be responsible in their ownership. So why not have a law that says if, and, and this is, is, is happening, right? In Oxford, Michigan, the kid who went into his school and, and shot and killed four people and seven people were injured, including a teacher. His parents gave him the gun. I believe it was a Christmas gift, maybe, or a birthday gift. This is what Americans do. We give our children Weapons, guns, as gifts. We don't ask them what they're going to do with it. We tell them to do the right thing with it. You know, don't, don't go pointing that thing at somebody, son. Don't go pointing that gun at anybody. Just use it to shoot, you know, cans in the backyard. Yeah, okay. You don't give someone who is troubled, who is a troubled teen, who is a troubled young person, you don't give someone like that, a weapon. Adam Lanza, the shooter in Sandy Hook, he was out of his fucking mind. He was crazy. His parents couldn't handle him. They tried, and but for some reason, they still had firearms in their home that he could access, and that he did. 
and that he used to murder children. It's amazing to me, and maybe it's because the shooters usually shoot and kill the people in their families before they go on these murdering sprees, but it's amazing to me that more guardians and caregivers and parents who give their children access to these weapons are not hit with criminal penalties. The parents in Oxford were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Both of, both of the parents are now awaiting trial with their son. It's almost unheard of to make parents responsible for the crimes that their children commit. But that's exactly what's happening, and that is exactly what needs to happen. If you give your child access to a firearm, to a weapon, if you give a weapon to someone who you know should not have a weapon and they use it to kill somebody, you should be held liable for that. In civil court, absolutely, 100 fucking percent. In criminal court, maybe. If the person is under the age of 18, if the person is under the age of ownership, of legal gun ownership, in some states it's 18, in some states it's 21. If a person is under the age of 21 and you give them a gun and they use it to kill somebody, they use it to injure somebody, yes, you should be held criminally liable for that. That's what happened in Oxford. The parents gave their gun, gave a gun to this kid. He wasn't of age of the legal gun possession age. And that's why they're paying for what he did. And I'm not even going to say allegedly because he fucking did it. If this is you, you're going to pay. Period. That should be the law. And if your child takes a gun out of your purse or off the coffee table and uses it on themselves or on someone else, you should pay for that. You should be hit with involuntary manslaughter charges, child endangerment charges, whatever police can come up with, whatever the the district attorney, the prosecutor can come up with, you should have to pay for that. There was a case, I don't remember the state it was in, maybe it was in Tennessee, where a young woman was on Zoom. This was during the the quarantine. She was on Zoom, and she was shot by a toddler in her home who found a gun on the coffee table. When the the fiancé, when her fiancé came home, he saw her laying there on the floor, dead. A child had shot her. What happened to him? Because it was his gun that he left carelessly out on a table, he was hit with involuntary manslaughter charges. Listen, if they're going to uh, make women responsible for miscarriages because they did drugs when they were pregnant and and they're going to hit those women with manslaughter charges, murder charges, they're going to do that to women who choose to end a pregnancy or who, you know, because of an accident or because of some other criminal activity, end up having a miscarriage. If they're going to charge those women with murder, 
then hell yeah, you're going to charge a person with murder or manslaughter when they were irresponsible with a gun that they own and possess. When more people are held responsible for these things, when they're hit in their pockets, more people, then, then maybe more people will hop on the gun control bandwagon. Nobody wants to take your guns away. We want to make it easier to live in a country where people own guns. And by easier, I mean I can go out of my house and I can go to the mall, I can go to the grocery store, my kids can go to school without thinking, without believing that they're going to get murdered that day, without feeling that something bad is going to happen. People right now feel scared. They are scared. They're, they're hesitant to go places. They're hesitant to be in public because right now we're all just sitting ducks. We, we are all sitting ducks. Road rage incidents can result in somebody being killed. You hit someone's car accidentally. You go for a jog. Someone kills you because they think you're, you're, you're stealing or something or they don't like your race. You're black. Someone kills you because you're black. You're a woman who's trying to break up with her boyfriend or who's trying to leave her husband. You're her friend who's trying to, to help her leave her abusive husband. He kills you and your friend. He murders you. You just want to help people. You just want to live. You just want to be free. But you can't be free here because your freedom is only as good as the next shooting. And each one of those shootings makes you scared, makes you afraid. It's just the, it's a dark cloud that's hanging over this country when you just want to go enjoy, you know, a, some time at the beach or something. But somebody with a gun shows up and forever, for whatever reason, decides to use that gun. It's incredible to me that with this knowledge that we are all just sitting ducks, that more isn't being done to make it harder for people who do not need to own weapons to make it harder for people to use guns. It's just being made easier for people to use guns. It's being made easier for people to carry guns. It's being made easier for people of a certain age do you know there are lawmakers who are fighting, fighting that age 21 legal gun uh, ownership in the states where you have to be 21? Because, you know, what about the rights of people 18 to 20? Well, they want to defend themselves. They want to defend their home. Are you fucking kidding me? 
We now have to be concerned with whether people 18 to 20 years old have guns that they can use. Where are the priorities of Americans and lobbyists and gun rights groups? What are your priorities? How do you live day to day just thinking about the next opportunity to use your weapon or about having to use your weapon or about what would you do if an active shooter showed up somewhere and you get to play hero? It's agonizing. It must just be agonizing for you. Or maybe you get off on it. But I tell you what, I'm not concerned with whether someone 18 to 20 years old can use a gun. I don't think an 18-year-old should use a gun unless they're in the military, unless they are a well, unless they are part of a well-regulated militia. How about that? So what do we do about this? Now, America, as we know, is a democracy. It's not a place where people are just rounded up and jailed for no reason. Although, I mean, there are cases, obviously, where people are picked up and put in jail and held without bail and who are held, who are held rather, without um, a preliminary hearing, without a, a bail hearing, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, America is a place where there are laws, there's law and order, there's probable cause, there's due process, there's appealing to your government for changes in the laws. That's what America is. America is a democracy. And for better or worse, it's present to protect people from their government. But change here, because it is a democracy, change here is slow. Now, you could be somewhere where it, it's not a democracy, it's an, it's an autocracy, and you don't have any rights outside of what the state provides to you. And some people think that's, that's fine. Some people think that when there are mass shootings like this, when there are the, the, the January 6, 2021 insurrection, that the government should just round up all those people and lock them away. No, you have to have charges. You have to have a trial for mass shooters, for any kind of shooter, for, you know, you have to have an investigation and then an arrest and then charges and then pre-trials and then a trial and then sentencing and then maybe the person goes to prison. It's the same way with laws. You have to have a bill that's introduced and debated on and it has to go to the bike, you know, it, it's in the bicameral house. That's the Senate and the House of Representatives before it ever reaches the president. But then there are also executive orders that are emergency orders that aren't supposed to be used to make laws, but they end up being enforceable laws. And then there are judicial appeals where someone gets to appeal a ruling or sue to prevent enforcement of a law. And then there's an injunction and et cetera, et cetera. So things here move slowly and you want it to because you want to get this right because you don't want the government infringing on your rights. You don't want the government infringing on your neighbor's rights. You don't want to see people put in prison for a crime they didn't commit or 
to answer for charges that are not theirs or without due process. You don't want these things happening to you or to anyone else. So this is what you're left with. You're left with this democracy where in order for changes to happen, you have to appeal to your community. You have to appeal to your state government. You have to appeal to your federal government. And that's a lot of fucking people. But it starts with you voting. And people will say, oh, but, you know, I voted and things still don't change. And sometimes they're right. They vote for the good. They vote for the good. They vote for the best. They vote for progress. They vote for moving this country ahead. But their districts are gerrymandered in order to be skewed for a particular political view or to keep certain candidates from running again. And so the congressional districts are decided by whoever is in power. And then if people aren't happy with the the maps, they can sue to have the maps redrawn. And it's just, it's agonizing. It is so agonizing. And so people become disillusioned. They become disillusioned with life here. They become disillusioned with how slowly change happens and so they sit on the sidelines and they do nothing and when the news flashes of another mass shooting and dead children people are very upset and they should be but if you're not taking your upset feelings the rage that you're feeling the anger the sadness if you're not turning that sorrow that hurt that pain into something effective to prevent these things from happening again then it's useless democracy dies in the dark but democracy also dies when there's no action from the people when people aren't participating in civics discussions, when people aren't going to city council meetings to see about neighborhood improvement projects. Democracy dies when people are silent about what affects them in their neighborhoods. Democracy dies when people work against the greater good, when people work against what's best for everyone and only look out for themselves. You cannot sit on the sidelines and expect anything to happen that is good if you are not helping to ensure that good things happen. You're not going to see the America that you want to see. Now, keep in mind, there are some people who want to see an America that looks just like them. Don't be those people. Don't be the person who wants the narrow view that they've come up with to be the America that they see. America is a nation for all people. Immigrant heavy. Cultural diversity heavy. Race diversity heavy. This is a place that has no official language because so many different languages are spoken here. This is a country for all people, but there is a 
price that all people are paying. Rich people, poor people, white, black, Hispanic people. We're all paying with our lives because of gun violence. Myself, when I was a kid, when I was in my teens and, and early 20s, two friends of mine were murdered by someone using a gun. When I was a junior in high school, a friend of mine was murdered by someone using a gun. Another friend was murdered at his workplace by someone using a gun. One of my aunts was murdered by someone using a gun. I have never been the victim of gun violence, but I know people who were victimized by gun violence, friends who have lost siblings and partners and children because of gun violence. It is an unfortunate club to belong to, to be someone who was the victim of gun violence. It's just like, you know someone, everyone knows someone who has cancer. Everyone knows someone or is someone who's affected by gun violence. This week, this past week, we lost, and by we I mean the United States lost a black surgeon. And I posted this on my social medias that Black Americans make up 2% of the physician-surgeon community. Out of all the surgeons in this country, only 2% of them are Black. And so one was murdered by a patient who was not satisfied for whatever reason. He went to the surgical center and decided to heal the man who operated on him, the doctor who operated on him, and killed three other people. Four people were murdered that day. And the shooter was, uh, was taken down too. He died by suicide. That was his intent. That was his intent. But it's, it's, this isn't a problem of poverty. This isn't a problem of race. This isn't a problem of political affiliation. This is an American problem. And it is so uniquely American that America, the United States of America, leads the world in gun crimes. It's so bad that it's, it's a uniquely American problem. Of all the homicides in the United States, 79% of them were gun-related killings. That's compared to the UK, where 4% of their homicides were gun-related killings. In Canada, 37% of their homicides were gun-related killings. And in Australia, 13% of their homicides were gun-related killings. The United States is the top country for civilian gun owners the top. The next closest is Yemen. Yeah. 
firearm deaths are a fixture of American life. Rights groups spending outpaces gun control group spending. People who are for gun ownership and increasing gun ownership and possession spend more ensuring that that is the case than people who are for gun control. And that is why they have the most favorable laws. Yeah, money buys legislation. Money buys political candidates. Money buys presidencies. Money buys um, Supreme Court nominations. Money buys just about anything in the United States, including ensuring that your way of life remains solid and intact, despite the fact that it is harmful, that people are dying because of it, that people are dying needlessly because of it. But the change we need to see in order to have greater restriction on gun violence in order to quell gun violence, the restrictions we need to see, the policy change we need to see is coming from the grassroots movements, the, the small community movements, the nonprofit organization movements. Yeah, they're being outspent, but, but they're bigger than the NRA. Their voices are, are louder than the NRA. Everyone cites the NRA. Oh, it's 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 what's, you know, it's what's buying the votes in in, in Washington D.C. But people forget that at the state level is where most gun laws are being passed. It's where most gun laws are being passed. That's where it's going to happen at the community level, at the local level, then at the state level. And then if it ever makes it to the federal level, it seems to be the federal level seems to be the point at which we're getting less action on gun control. It seems to be the place where we're getting less help with gun violence in our communities. It's going to have to be at the local levels. Through grassroots movements. This isn't going to be stopped by a senator or by a representative. These people are not listening to us. When our children are dying, dying in schools, waiting for someone to rescue them, and that does not affect, that does not move people to quell the tide of gun violence through controlling who is allowed to have a weapon in the United States and what type of weapon and how much ammunition they're allowed to have and where they're allowed to carry it and how they're allowed to carry it and who is allowed to own it. Dead children is not stopping people from saying that there should be more entitlement to guns. It's only making people feel like they need to have more guns because, you know, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. And that's that's basically what's going to happen. That's basically their answer. That's why the governor of Ohio wants teachers and resource officers in schools to have guns, because a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. But also harden those doors 
put security officers are at every uh at every door. Make sure there's security. Make sure there's guard dogs. Make sure there's barbed wire. <laughs> it's insanity. Anything, anything but addressing the problem. Guns are not the problem. People using guns are the problem. You should not be making it easier for people to use guns. You should not be making it easier for people to amass a cache of weapons. When the police go into these people's homes after they've done their destruction and they find a cache, just gun uh, cabinets full of guns and, and ammunition, guns in their cars, guns under their beds, guns in their garages. It's insanity. It's insanity. But how this is going to change is going to be at the grassroots level. We're not waiting for the big dogs anymore to do the work for us. We can't. They're not listening to us. And then they go to work and they tell their coworkers, hey, we really need gun control now. And their coworkers are like, sit down. Not listening to this again. The Ted Cruz's of the world, of the country, of the government. I'm not listening to this. Yeah, I know the kids were murdered, and it's because the doors weren't heavy at the school. It's because, you know, we need to put more money into mental health services, which they're not going to fucking do that either, because that would require them to fix the broken health insurance industry in this country. That would require them to fix the broken health care industry of this country. Where are you putting the, the money for mental health services? Where are you putting it? It costs money, number one, to be seen by a psychiatrist. Number two, to buy medication. You need money. Number three, to see a therapist regularly. That costs money. And number four, if you don't fucking want to go to see your therapist or a psychiatrist, you don't have to. How are you going to get people to the mental health services that they need? You're going to call the police on them? Have the police come drag them to a, sanitary, a, a sanatorium? Sure. Put money into mental health services. See what good that's going to do. Or let's keep talking about mental health more. There's such a stigma. No, this, there's no more stigma. That's bullshit. People aren't talking about mental health enough. That's bullshit. People are talking about mental health. There are more ways now to access therapy than ever before. But it's expensive. It's expensive. And some people need years of therapy. Years of medication management. Some people need guardianship. It's not as easy as let's talk about why Johnny's sad today. You know how hard it is to talk someone out of wanting to kill themselves? It's very hard. And it'll take multiple conversations. It'll take multiple therapy visits.
It takes a lot more than, let's just chat. So you can pour billions of dollars into the mental health industry, but you can't get a person to receive the help that they need. This isn't a country where we make people get help. There's no court-ordered mental health treatment. There's court-ordered drug treatment. But there's no court-ordered, you have to take an antidepressant. You have to take an uh, antipsychotic medication. If you don't want to take your meds, you don't have to. If you don't want to see a doctor, you don't have to. If they're not going to put billions of dollars into fixing the healthcare industry, because again, like I've talked about before, there's racism in the healthcare industry. If they're not going to put billions of dollars in there to fix that, they're not going to put billions of dollars into mental health services in the United States. For what? You think that if someone just goes and talks to a therapist or a doctor, that they're suddenly not going to want to kill themselves or kill other people? (laughs) No, dear. No. There are people who go and talk to their therapist once a week and still end up fucking killing their whole family. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about whether they are mentally well or unwell or depressed or anxious or psychotic or have ADHD or schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. That's not what it's about. Because, again, the shooter in Las Vegas, as far as they can tell, wasn't nothing wrong with that motherfucker. So what is it then? He would not have been able to stab 500 people or uh, hit 500 people with a hammer. He used what he knew would harm, would injure, would kill the most people. And that is what we need to control. This has been Ayana Explains It All. Brought to you by Facts, Figures, and Enlightenment. Take care. The following resources were used in the making of this episode of Ayana Explains It All. Fast Facts, Firearm Violence Prevention at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention at cdc.gov. Ghost guns aren't hard to make and new laws won't restrict them all at Newsy. Dot com. Right to carry gun laws explained. Concealed and open carry gun laws differ between states. Published at usafacts.org.
Ohio Concealed Carry Reciprocity Map and Gun Laws, published at usconcealedcarry.com. Why 18-year-olds can buy AR-15s in Texas, but not handguns, published at texastribune.org, May 26, 2022. And the op-ed article, The Very Racist History of Gun Control, The Second Amendment Right to Keep and Bear Arms is Indispensable to Black Equality, from the Boston Globe, by Jeff Jacoby, published on July 31st, 2021. Thank you.